then another problem came up. A lot of customers started complaining that they received different treatments in the service. And that really blew up in social media. And at some point, Chachua went to his son, called his son by his complete name, like, son, we had a talk. We have a problem right here. Our customers are not being treated right. How do we fix this? That's the thing. If you don't document your processes as a business owner, if you don't know how to entrust the right people that can help you scale your customer service and business otherwise, then you're setting up yourself for failure rather than constant growth. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Daniel. Daniel, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Appreciate to be here. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and uh, what you do for business. Well, I am the quirky and crazy customer service passionate guy. Been in customer service for more than a decade now doesn't seem much for, for many, but to me it is. <laughs> I am originally from the Philippines, was supposed to move to the U.S., but now I live in Mexico instead, because why not mix America and a bit of Philippines, right? <laughs> so that's who I am. Um, I am passionate about customer service because I've been working in customer service since 2011, and from doing the phone calls myself before, I am now the person who is selling the phone call. So <laughs> quite an interesting turn of events, but yeah, thank you for having me today, Michelle. Really excited how we could um, blow away our audience today. Nice. So how did you choose customer service as your field of interest? Well, it's a funny story because my mother used to work for customer service herself for only one in, one company ever. Um, it's now called Found Ever. Not going to comment about that. Take a breath. Okay. My mother worked for Found Ever for 16 years. Back known back then it was known as Lytel and Client Logic. And I was raised like she was my coach. You know, she was not just my mother. She would correct me and discipline me the way that she would discipline her agents. And so if I was late coming home from school, it's like, that's your first night. That's your first warning. And I'm like, what happens if you get to the third warning? Then I never found out because I never dared. <laughs> and Somehow her influence to me being the leader that she was got me a knack for also wanting to help people. And so that's why when I turned 18, I decided to work at a call center as well and try customer service myself. And I found it very challenging, very scary, because my very first call was um, six cell phone lines that have been added, recently added to the account. There were many prorated charges, many unknown charges that were some posted on that account. A lot of, by the time, you know, at the time was apps and things that were bought under her line. And so it was a whole mess, six lines. And that was my very first phone call. So that phone call lasted for an hour. <laughs> It was it was fresh hell right there. But no, that's what got me into customer service. It was my mother and my knack for wanting to help people. And ever since that awful call, which, you know, was a life lesson for me, um, I just got it more into customer service. I love it. And I think it's kind of hilarious. It kind of shows my age that you started out on a phone service with cell phones. And when I started out, I had the great big panel that looks like a you know, like a rock stars equalizer board. Yeah, that going was in and out. Buy you back then, and you had a prong. You had a, you had a. You didn't have to plug in a USB cord. It was a prong, literally, like with two huge prongs, and that's what he used to listen to the phone calls, wasn't it? 
well, I wasn't that old. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't the nineteen fifties. It was only the it was only the nineties. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really <laughs> terrifying staring at the big panel of oh things. So talking about so you've come through, you've decided to uh help other people with their customer service. So who would you say now is your ideal clientele? Who do you work with the most? We the most that we work with right now would be e-commerce, but not, it's not just limited to e-commerce. We work with SaaS. We work with back office. We work with businesses that have customers, basically. Anything that is mundane and boring to do and, quite frankly, time-consuming for someone who has more other important things to do, they give it to us. It's like, you know, take it away from us. It's like, sure, why not? Right? I love so these that. We work with any business be- that has customers. <laughs> Yeah, has customers and has a lot of paperwork that they find boring. Yeah, because some of them, you know, one of them was like a business that had to do a lot of shipping labels, a lot of printing, a lot of encoding. They didn't want to do that. It's like, you know, I don't want to do this the entire night. So while they were asleep, sound asleep in their beds, you know, we would be printing their label secretly. And then when they come into office the next day, it's like, oh, look, there they are ready to, you know, ready to stick and ship. That's it. So that's what we do. Anything that has customers, anything that has admin processes, we do it for them. You're like elves. Yeah, we're like, well, you can, you can call it that way. Yes, we're like the elves, you know, in Hogwarts. We're in that hidden room of the castle where no one normally walks into. And when they do walk in, we all stare in, in, in amazement. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to typical customer service, what do you find most business owners are doing wrong or what kind of mistakes are they making? You know, this is a... Um, I will quote this from a book that I read. This was The Ultimate Question 2.0 by Fred Reichold. And business owners don't realize that when it's time for them to grow, that they sometimes forget that in order for you to be able to make sure that you're in that stage where you're ready to let go and just focus on your growth and not on your customers, is to maintain that level of service and ensure that there is proper knowledge cascaded to many people. The way that I would treat my customers as a business owner, if it was just me and my customers, would be probably different if I didn't impart my knowledge in a documented manner when I start hiring people. Maybe if I get an assistant or two, maybe I could teach them what I know and that's okay. But what if we're talking about 100 people, 500 people, 600 representatives? You can't teach them with your minds. And what happens here is that normally when you pass one thought to another mind to mind, something gets redacted, something gets reduced, something gets revised, something is not completely understood. And so the translation is lost along the way. And when that happens, a lot of the people that are working in the entry level starts giving services and um, treating your customers in a derived manner. Some would treat you like this, some would treat you like that. And that's when, you know, that's when, that's what the business owners often neglect to see. And so this is um, a classic example with Blockbuster. When Blockbuster back then was very popular in the United States, they decided that the best way to treat their customers was some of them would be tacking on late fees, some of them would be, you know, and so the service was derived. In some stores, it was great. In some stores, it was not. And when Netflix came out and promised that this is the service we're going to give you, we'll make it simple for you, we'll treat you right, Look what happened between Netflix and Blockbuster. This was mentioned in the Ultimate Question 2.0. Another is Charles Schwab, very famous bank in the United States. Charles Schwab was very in touch with his customers when he started the bank. You know, very customer service focused, very 
you know, focused with the people, with his team. But as the business grew, his son took over and Charles Schwab was, you know, starting to retire, you know, living his, you know, living his peaceful days. But then another problem came up. A lot of customers started complaining that they received different treatments in the service. And that really blew up in social media. And at some point, Charles Schwab went to his son, called his son by his complete name, like, son, we had a talk. We have a problem right here. Our customers are not being treated right. How do we fix this? That's the thing. If you don't document your processes as a business owner, if you don't know how to entrust the right people that can help you scale your customer service and business otherwise, then you're setting up yourself for failure rather than constant growth. I totally concur and did a video clip on and one of the top three mistakes that business owners make, and number one to me is hoarding knowledge and not, not creating those processes in order to create a business that they want to, because you can have two exact same businesses run by two different people that all of a sudden, all of the processes become different because how they treat their customers in, uh, innately is going to be different depending on how they want to build out the business. And I think that one of the interesting things. Everybody looks at McDonald's and goes, oh, everything's exactly the same because of the processes in place, but they're actually in place because of Ray Kroc wanted every single burger to be exactly the same so that everybody had the same customer experience on it. And it wasn't just the automation of the, the technology and, and the machinery. It was actually the way people spoke and how they treated people, um, which is you know, eventually where the, and would you like fries with that came from was every single time you have to ask that because otherwise somebody will have a different experience and it affects the bottom line in more ways. Than it affects the bottom Absolutely. And you know, it, it's funny when you talk about McDonald's, they did not just master like the processes, even the arrangement of the kitchen and how sequences go. It, they, they did that because they wanted to make sure that there is consistency. That arrangement is documented so that every store should follow that arrangement so that their customers could receive the same treatment, as, could have the same expectations. And in the end, you know, a global brand is known that this is the standard that they have when it comes to fast food. You know, it's really important. You know, you mentioned about knowledge being hoarded because that's true. And sometimes they don't do it deliberately. Business owners don't do that. You know, sometimes they do they do impart that knowledge, but they don't impart it the right way. Sometimes they they think that, OK, by me saying this, that I could trust my people that they're going to do what they're supposed to do. When the fact is, as a business owner, your responsibility is to make sure that your leaders, your top level executive leaders and operations leaders document the processes, document everything so that there is a reference and one source of truth. Otherwise, if it's all in our heads, then we're going to be playing a game of guessing here in charades of which is the truth. <laughs> right. And then they wonder why their employees are doing it wrong. It's like, well, because you didn't tell them how to do it right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes we, it's, it's easy to blame the employees. But the thing is, as leaders, we should realize that the behavior of our employees reflects the way that we should be you know we should be um monitoring and um honing our employees if our employees are not performing right then there must be something that we as leaders could do better nice so when you're working with somebody well let me back up first at what point do you think that somebody should bring somebody like you in is there a right time to do it is any time right when's the ideal the ideal time for them to bring um 
a trusted service partner is when they know that they are growing and they can no longer just keep things internal. It's when they know that when they need more people, but the admin tasks could be costly on their end, that they need to bring a trusted service partner. If you're not yet in full-on growth mode and you feel like you could keep things internal or you feel like it's set back for now, then you know maybe it's not the right time just yet. But there comes a point when you do want to grow your business, when you notice that a lot more customers are coming in, when you notice that some of the processes you have are not yet documented and they have to be, when you notice that a lot more people are in, need to be involved in, in in creating an infrastructure for you, for your support team, that's when you bring a trusted service partner. Because not only do service partners give you, we call ourselves service partners, by the way, we refrain ourselves from calling a BPO because it's just, it sounds too external. <laughs> um, we Service partners don't just give dedicated people. They give an infrastructure of quality analysts, workforce management, training people, operations leaders, coaches, and everyone that is needed so that your support team can take care of your customers, but at the same time, your support team also can be taken care of by the support team, you know, the operation support. So um, that's the, that's that's when the right, you know, that's the right time for you to bring a, a support <laughs> So when you're working with somebody, do you, if they need your help to be able to figure out how to allocate that workload to you, do you help them to figure out kind of, well, what are you doing now and what do you want to have done? Or is it usually kind of a here, here's my client list, go take care of them, or here's my phones, go answer them? <laughs> it really depends. Some of them are pretty hands-off. And so they tell us that, you know, here it is, just deal with it. <laughs> but some of them, you know, are more in touch with their customers and they tell us what their problem is. They tell us what their pain is. And we work together with them to try to solve that problem. You know, to we don't just tell them that, look, we take the phone calls for you and that's it. You know, you can leave us alone now. If they want to be in touch with their customers, if they want to be in touch with the processes and what we do, we get them involved with that. We show them what we do. We show them what's on the queue. We show them our processes. We show them recordings. We do triad sessions and sessions together so that we could better analyze and understand how we could improve the customer service. We get them immersed because what we understand ourselves to be is not just a an outsourced partner, but rather a trusted partner that works with your systems, with your environment, with your processes, and we're doing this together. You did not just get us because we're offshore. You got us because you needed that additional help, and we see ourselves to be a part of you. That's what I we got, do. I love client. that because I think a lot of people will, you know, if they're looking for a um, an inexpensive answer to an expensive problem, They'll bring somebody in that doesn't know what they're doing and and they just answer the phones and you don't get that analytical support of like, hey, there's actually a systemic issue here. And I think based on all my experience, it's <laughs> probably based on this, right? Somebody that just comes in and answers phones isn't going to be able to have that kind of breadth and yeah. width of knowledge to be able to, to work with them to figure out problems that they wouldn't otherwise know because unless the CEO is sitting on the phone, they're not going to know. And even if we argue that we bring in a, the best customer service representative and just it's that person right there, answer going back to what you said about when are you ready to, you know, when should they think they're they're ready to outsource, that one person or a few people could only do so much. At some point, when you grow your team significantly, you need control. You need to have a structure. You need to have a foundation. And that kind of cannot happen alone when you only have customer service representatives. You need an infrastructure, a support team behind 
your support representatives so that there's coaching, there's development, there's documentation, there's correction, there's guidance, there's inspiration, there's something that can spark and help you scale this team. You cannot do it alone. And if you try to do this alone, it's going to come down on you like timber and it's going to be painful. We don't want that. We don't want our customers to come down to you saying that they're leaving because they just, they're not happy anymore or that, okay, I'll stay within the contract, but let you know I'm not happy. So I'm going to be canceling this when this contract is over. You don't want to hear words like that. So if you don't want to hear words like that, you need to have a team either internally, externally, whatever it is that you wish, you need to have that foundational structure to ensure that your business grows naturally. I love that. And I can't tell you how many times I've been on customer service calls going, um, is it possible for you to tell the CEO or, you know, upper management that this is a systemic problem and like, this is not making me happy because so many times, especially with the big companies, especially with no offense, but Canadian telecom companies, it, I, I don't think that, that goes that... anywhere. And it's like, Oh, thanks for calling. We love you. <laughs> Click onto the next person. And it's like, they hear it every single time and, and nobody cares. <laughs> nobody wants to do anything about it. Yeah, it's it's crazy that you talk about that because I just had a similar experience with um with a telecom company here in Mexico. And it was so funny because I, I paid off my phone. It's I I I paid it I paid off all the installments. I'm entitled to get this unlocked. It's been six months now and it's still locked. And I asked for support and it's like we can't tell you when it could it, it could be unlocked i'm like that is not an acceptable answer i've done my part i've paid my bill i've paid the phone i've never been late how could he tell me that he can't give me a timeline that's just unacceptable and the manager came in and he was arrogant <laughs> to tell me that oh i'm not promising anything maybe it's five days but you know that's 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 the way it is i'm like you can't it was it was just funny because that was that i went to another store and an entry level employee from that store told me look this has been six months um I, I i really don't know what's happening what i could tell you is we need to email the manufacturer of your phone but understand that it's been six months so we're going to try to put this in the highest priority and i'll keep you posted this is my number i'll i'll, I'll call you or i'll text you i'll keep in touch with you and let's make sure that it gets locked before you travel to the philippines it's the same solution between the two stores that wow. they need to email the manufacturer but the manager without any sympathy, empathy, apology, was arrogant compared to an entry-level employee from another store. And at my mind, I was like, wow, are they promoting the wrong people or what? <laughs> and it's the same thing with people's banks. I called one employee and, and this person was based offshore and the experience was completely different when I got someone from another center, from another location. And I'm like, why is this happening? You know, it's, 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 it's crazy that they choose the wrong people and they're promoting the wrong people. This is not just a systematic problem right now. Sometimes it's a problem of humanity. Thinking about how you treat your customers with full arrogance, knowing that one day, if you're going to be on the other side of that table, karma is going <laughs> to come right back to you, Right. It's just crazy, you know? So I think that the biggest festering problem with customer service right now is the human element. 
a lot of people are just being empathetic or they're being em empathetic or empathic. Either way, sympathetic or, you know, apologetic, not because they are, but because they're being paid to do that. And when that happens, you realize that your character slowly changes and that what how you're supposed to feel and how you're supposed to treat people is going to come right back to you. Unfortunately, I was one of those people before. I was apologetic because I was paid to do so. But then when I was on the other side of that table asking for help with my phone or with my credit card because for some reason it got lost in the mail and it was a platinum card, and you know how used credit cards are, they're high risk, right? I just, I said to myself, okay, now I understand why this is a big problem for us. We need to stop that thinking that we, sh you know, we, we should be apologetic just because we're paid to do so. We should be apologetic because we know that the people shouldn't experience that. The people should be treated differently. And that if you want to be treated the way that you want other people to treat you, you should know how to change yourself first. And you should stop being apologetic just because you're being paid to do so. And just for once, choose and make the right choice that you're being apologetic because it's the right thing to do. I love that. Well, and I think it's so easy to get used to what we do. You know, we answer the same question 20 times in a day, whereas they're seeing it for the first time ever. Like if they don't know where the big blue button on the right hand side is, they don't know where the big blue button on the right hand side is. It's like yeah, maybe really... really obvious to you, but it's not obvious to them. And it doesn't hurt to just have some patience and go, oh, okay, I, I get it. You've never seen this yeah, page before. And not many is it there? It might be on the wrong page. Situation. I don't know. Absolutely. Yes. Not many of them, you know, not many, not many of our customers sometimes are that knowledgeable that, oh, I was charged restoration fee because I did miss that payment or that I was, you know, that I, I apparently I, I broke my phone because I decided that twinged with a volume down button and the power button at the same time would actually erase my phone. You know, these, yes, it, it happened to me one time. So this customer apparently was playing around with her phone and I think she tried to, I don't know what she was doing. But at some point, she pressed down the volume down button or the volume up button and the power button at the same time. She said a weird screen came up and I started playing with it. And the ending was she bricked her phone. When you say brick to your phone, your phone was as good as a brick because <laughs> she tried to reset her phone and she stopped the process of doing so. And someone had bricked the phone. And so, you know, I just wanted a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what she was doing, but well, that's how I get screenshots on mine. So I'd yeah. be terrified if all of a sudden I did that to my phone. Oh my god! It was it was really unfortunate, and you know, so that's why you have to exercise that patience. That you you would think that it's 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 a foolish move, or that it's um it's a bad move. But then again, we they don't know. We know because we've done this twenties. Hell, I could do it sixty times a day. I could take sixty calls in one day. But that doesn't mean that I'm the better person. It just means that I should take that higher ground and understand that people are seeking for my help and that one day I will be that person who is seeking for another higher ground from another person too. Love that. So as, as a kind of CEO or president of the company, founder of the company, what are some of the problems that are happening in the company that I can see that I'm going, oh my God, Daniel, I need you guys so badly. When they start seeing a huge loss in customers. That's number one. Or number two is that if they start seeing those negative remarks paired with metrics not being met, service level agreements, like the wait times being more than five minutes or email response time being more than 24 hours, 
that's when they need help badly because some of them choose to try to like okay let's take our time and analyze the processes here and fix this internally and what happens here and this is a classic example right now it's actually happening that i'm talking to one of um talking to one potential client and this potential client's like we'll try to resolve this internally yet um a lot of their customers right now are still suffering from flight cancellations and they're not able to you know they're not able to get through the longer that you do that, the longer that you're going to be losing customers. And I'm not just saying this for the sake that, you know, it's a, it's a revenue for me. No, honestly, it's not. It's more of thinking about your customers because at some point when they do walk away and when that word of mouth gets out, a lot of them are going to be shifting to another airline. A lot of them are going to be shifting their choice to another um, alliance partner. And this is true. Like, um, I think it's safe to say that it's in the news media, so I'm not disparaging this. It's just a fact that's out there. Frontier is facing a $100 million lawsuit for their customers being overcharged with baggage fees. They're they're charging them $100 for a handbag that could fit literally in the carry-on, you know? And so they're being, they slapped a $100 million lawsuit against Frontier. But the bigger part here is not just the money. It's the fact that Frontier has lost its reputation and people are starting to switch back to Delta, to United Airlines, to American Airlines, where even if it's more expensive, they'd spare themselves from the pain and rather pay more than actually having to face bad experience. That's the thing. If you wait for a problem to fester, it could end up being a lawsuit. It could end up being your cu your customers walking away altogether. It could end up even your employees, your internal people who are struggling walking away together. So don't wait for that point to happen. If you see a problem, fix it. Don't let it fester and do something about it. Whether it's getting a service partner, whether it's fixing the problem internally, make sure that you fix it and don't take your sweet time fixing it because your customers are suffering at the end of the day. Money can pay many things, but it cannot pay time. Money can money can buy you a car, it can be, buy you a mansion. It can even probably extend your life if you're, you know, if 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 you're if you're buying these expensive supplements, but it cannot buy time. It cannot buy lost time specifically. Time cannot be bought. That's something that you either lose or gain. Simply that you gain time in the future or you've already passed your time and that's it. Every second that ticks, it's not, it's not, you cannot buy that. It's money for some, but you cannot buy that. Never, not, nor can you buy it back. Customers lost their time having to call you. Customers lost their time experiencing flight delays. Customers lost their time because their baggage is missing and they've spent hours and days looking for it. You cannot buy that back. Hmm. Yeah, so totally agree. One. And we could we could have an entire half hour conversation just on the airlines, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Define Cinderella story, because <laughs> I'm I'm like a little stepmother. We could go from messy like... to organized, from <laughs> this isn't well, working to wow, you guys are amazing. Yeah, I could tell you. I could I could tell you Cinderella's story for sure. There was this one customer um, who has, you know, student loans in the United States eat up a lot of Americans' um, finances, literally eat, eats up your paycheck. And this customer was struggling to make ends meet. And the customer at first called in and make a forbearance on the loan. And take note, a forbearance does not um, stop interest from accruing. It continues. Deferment does, but forbearance does not. She called and decided that forbearance was the easiest way because it, it did not require any income and, 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 and statements and such. So it was the quickest way. And I said to her, um, look, I, I'd love to give you some advice here because you told me 
that you're struggling to make ends meet, that you're trying to pay off this loan, but you can't. So I'm giving you this recommendation first. If you could uh, if you could fax me or email me a copy of the financial struggles you have, which is you're in a fixed income right now, you're already receiving food stamps. In that way, instead of placing a forbearance on your account, I'll put a deferment in right now and I'll have someone approve it from my from the office that I'm in. So she was doing that. And I said, look, this is the next plan that I have. I, I want to put you in. I highly encourage you to be in an income-based repayment option. That is, after your deferment, this is what you can do. Being in an income-based repayment option, it shows how much income you have, considers your income strongly, and then we structure that payment to be in that payment option. And the thing about the income-based repayment option is depends on it depends on the it depends on the type of program or loan that you availed. If you're in that payment option for 10 to 20 years and you've paid on time, your loan could be forgiven. Yeah. Some of them, yeah. I'm in the background yeah. going, 20 years. What? Holy. Yeah. That's insane. No, 20 years is actually 20 years is actually um a a a short amount. Some of them paid for 40 years. Some I, I I've experienced placing a forbearance on someone's deathbed. It was an ugly situation. That's why after that situation, I encouraged them to go always go in the income-based repayment option. The income-based repayment option, it really depends what program you have, but your loan could be forgiven after 10 to 15 years, 20 years for some. So you have to pay on time. Pay on time, pay based on your income, it's minimal. And that way, the entire loan could be forgiven. I've seen half a million dollar loans for okay, medical. This, this has been an educational experience, and I want to know, as a business owner, what kind of problems am I experiencing that I go, I need to hire you to take care of my customer service problems? Well, as as, oh, as sorry, a, that no, I wanted sorry, we went over that. I wanted to go. What was the Cinderella story for a CEO of yeah. kind of they needed you to take over their issues? Oh, the Cinderella story. I was talking, I was thinking about the customers. So this is yeah. for the customers. After I placed them on that, they were they were extremely happy, grateful, and then it was Cinderella story right. for them. But for a CEO, um, the Cinderella story was um it's pretty hard because it's I have a lot of Cinderella stories here, but I think that the biggest one, uh, fitness studio in the United States. You know how coaches are training in the studios, but they, they tend to get a lot of phone calls, and so they can't do all things at the same time. If you're training in the studio and the phone rings incessantly, that's a big pain and turnoff for many people, right? right. They didn't know what to do because they had 85 studios nationwide. Right. <laughs> and so their phones were ringing off the hook. And we told them, you know, well, there, there's the, 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 they, they told us that they could hire a receptionist, but then it was out of their budget. They couldn't do that. They were already paying for the studio. They had the, you know, they had the app and all these things. That's when we actually told them, look, we could keep it simple for you. We have people that could be our recept, you know, the receptionist, if there are any escalations and we could work with your team to make sure that these things are resolved. And so their 85 studios came, are now being served by us and that's pretty much it you know it's it's a certain authority for them because what happened here was that from that incessant ringing with their phone calls with 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 the studios that they had it turned out to be that they didn't have to hear those incessant phone calls anymore and instead it went to us and any escalations they had any problems like key log access and such we 
worked with her team on shore to make sure that the doors were unlocked and such, and everything came out um, perfectly. And so that, I guess, it's not the most romantic, but it's, again, <laughs> but, but it does, when, you, when you're going from that, your yeah. dr- getting driven nuts from the phone ringing to all of a sudden peace and quiet and, and customers and being Me, taken but, care of, that's pretty awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Well, they could... Go to supportzebra.com, book a consultation and come to me. My promise here is that I'm not going to be incessant and trying to sell something unless they really tell me that this is something they need. If they simply want to consult, know more about how they could solve their problems, solve the customer service issues that they have, they can always come to me and I'm happy to give them that solution. And if they feel that they are ready to trust this as a service partner, that's what we're here for. Nice. Love it. So peeps, go ahead and click on Danielle's links, open them up in a new browser because we have more on the way. So Danielle, at what point in life did you know that you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? At some point in my life, it was when I was buried in credit card bills. Visa was not paying itself out, so I had to. No, it was not just that. It was simply because I thought to myself, how could I do this at scale? How could I do it? How could I do something that was not just, you know, for me to be, you know, for me to be um, depending on something anymore? How could I be an entrepreneur? and get passive income yet enjoy what I do is what it was. Because I did enjoy taking phone calls, don't get me wrong. But then with Visa breathing down my neck and with me thinking how I could do this at scale, that's what inspired me to become an <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> By the way, still love Visa. I, I love Visa. I love my we all love Visa. And <laughs> <laughs> they really aren't lenient. I love it. Daniel, you've Great. been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Remember authenticity, stay true to yourselves and stay true to your support service. The more that you're authentic, the more that your customers will appreciate it. That's it for me, Michelle. Thank you. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.